So, uh, fellow lover of the color orange, apparently. Yeah. Tube frame aficionado. And uh, sleepy race car driver. Oh, yeah. Alex Job. <laughs> if you could describe this dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Satisfying. Oh, oh well, that's, that's very polite. Really, again, sensible adult. Yeah, sensible adult. Sensible adult. That is what I've learned. Yep. Better and than I expected. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah, that I, that I believe. That I believe. He's like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Now back to fart jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to one more episode of Dinner with Racers. I am Sean Heckman. I'm Ryan Eversley. And uh, we are currently driving from uh, the uh, the beaches of South Carolina over to Atlanta, Georgia, where you're taking me to the airport, and then you are headed the heck home because we are concluding yet another season of Dinner with Racers podcast. Yes, we do have that Motor Trend TV show, but this this is just a podcast. If you're a sports car racing fan, then you need no introduction to the name Alex Job. But what you might not know is his backstory, how he got started. If you are not as up on your sports car history, Alex Job is a team owner, most known for sort of having a, a big factory team, uh, particularly with Porsche throughout the uh, the 2000s or the aughts. No, that's not. No, the aughts. Don't do that. And he's just generally got one of those like longtime respected things that, that you see with, with some folks who've had the level of success that he has. Alex has been around the sport since before I was born, and he's one of those names that I've always heard spoken with nothing but respect. And it's easy to see why. You look through the history of his company, you look at the results and how he's been able to do it, but also the people that he's had work for him for so long, they still speak so highly of him. We were able to get so many good stories out of him. And uh, I think he appreciated the time we put into the research, getting to know a little bit about him. And uh, he lives out in uh, Leesburg, Florida, which has a, another great Italian restaurant called Rodello's. And uh, I had the chicken sandwich. 100%, without a doubt, chicken sandwich at Rodello's. I had the uh, ziti. And here are some of the things you are going to hear about during this conversation. When homologated racing stopped being fun. One of the worst and specifically dumbest penalties in the history of sports car racing. <laughs> hey, you know, it's not French. Our, our tires. That's right. Which are somewhere between German and American. That's right. The Continental tires. Yes. Yeah. They're the smart choice. In tires. That's I was gonna say. They're the smart choice in tires. I thought that's, you were. That's their tagline. That's their tagline. The smart choice you, in tires. And you've remembered that now. I totally knew that it was the smart choice in tires. We were in Hilton Head, South Carolina earlier. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I got you're, it. You're coming around. I'm getting there. I'm getting yeah. there. And that's because they're our sponsor. Continental Tire is our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, you got to <laughs> do, do the thing. Continental Tire is our sponsor. You know, fans. Huh? When they uh, when they 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 at Continental see those sweet tweets. Yep. With the tags and yep. the Instagrams and the and the TikToks and yep. the hop hops and, uh, and, and you guys tagging them and buying their products is keeping this show literally on the road. So we really appreciate that, and we would love it if you continue to show them how much you appreciate what we're doing. And for that, you can listen to Alex Joe. Meow. All right, we're gonna start in five, four, three, two. What color car is that? 
It's called Lava Orange. You're I, my guy now. I I'm call a, it uh, Vastopin Orange. Yeah, orange is my, my color. Really? So when I saw the car pull up, well, I didn't see actually, Sean said, oh, you're going to like this. And I looked outside. I was like, Alex Job's got an orange Porsche. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I didn't pick you for an orange Porsche. No, I like, that's not what I thought at all. <laughs> well, my daily driver's a Mini, actually. Uh, okay. Country, okay. A Countryman Mini. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what color is that? Uh, it's kind of a gray metallic. <laughs> That's what that's I was saying. Very chill. Very, very yeah. subtle. Yeah. 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 But it's a Cooper S. It performs good. <laughs> it's got a, got a little uh, performance box on it. And yeah. But obviously the big media deal that this is. Yeah, but I... Well, the visual had, aspect yeah. of had it. To yeah. come, had to come with a visual style. Right, yeah. right. I get it. So we oftentimes have, I would say trouble, but we have to do a little bit you know, more pushing or digging to get people to talk about who our guest is going to be. And we think it's a sign of respect or fear that almost everybody we reached out to immediately came back with like actual details to ask about or for us to know about you. Where oftentimes, you know how race car drivers can be, they'll say, ask them about when I drove for them or something related to them. Uh, But in this case, it was very, very easy to get information. uh, And we think it's out of respect. Thank you. Is that surprising to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That people respect you? Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. No, it really? shouldn't be. Yeah. So I guess the, the the thing about someone like yourself, because you were a race car driver, but not in the recent years. So ancient, ancient years. Wikipedia is not as big of a deal back back when you were a kid as it is now. Yeah. Um, so your early days of your career are harder to, to, to know about. So while we don't normally say, tell me about this, this, and this, and we kind of just let stories come up naturally, where does life begin for Alex Job? Is it here? In, it's here in nearby Orlando? Uh, it actually started in St. Petersburg. Okay. I grew up in St. Pete. Yeah. And that's where I started driving. And I actually started driving Saabs, not Porsches. Oh, okay. And I started autocrossing. Yeah. And uh, my first championship was an autocross championship in 1970. Okay. Yeah. Was, um, uh, were your parents car people at all? Uh, my dad was. Okay. You know, he had a 912 and then later yeah. a 911S. Okay. And What did uh, he do? He was a watchmaker, a jeweler. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Master yeah. jeweler, watchmaker, yeah, clockmaker. Okay. Was he American? Dutch. Dutch. Okay. My parents okay. are Dutch. I was born in South Africa, but I was oh. raised Dutch. Okay. Wow. And I came to the States when I was 10 years old. That's why I lost my accent. Yeah, but say, you would never know. Yeah. No, you yeah. never yeah. know. I just thought yeah. you were yeah. from here. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. no. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so your parents so went from Holland, South Africa. Yeah. Uh, and and then was he always in the watch? Yeah. Okay. yeah, he started as a goldsmith in Holland and then went to South Africa and then progressed as a goldsmith and a jeweler and so on. And then uh, he was actually here in this st- country. He was a master Rolex watchmaker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually got me introduced into Rolexes. So okay. Long before uh, the cars did. Yeah, you know? right, right. But he, uh, being a watchmaker and a jeweler, um, I'm an only child, mm-hmm. so I had all the focus. So my attention to detail came from him. Uh, that uh, that, okay. that yeah. answers a lot of... That, yeah. Actually, yeah, there's been yeah. no stories about your attention to detail. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you started autocrossing as, a, am guessing, early teen, you know, like... I started, uh, yeah, my, actually, my first car was a Volkswagen Bug. Okay. My second car was a 356, actually one I got of a junkyard that was totaled that I fixed. Okay. In between there, I had an Alfa Romeo, which I wasn't supposed to buy, and my dad said, you can't buy that. 
And then I bought it anyway, and then I hid it from him for a few <laughs> weeks, and then he finally found out about it. Yeah. And he said, I told you you can't buy that. And I said, well, I bought it with my friend Don. And he said, well, you know, you live under my roof, so you live by my rules. Right. You want to make your own rules, you get your own roof. Sure, so he sure. said, here's your choice. You get rid of the Alpha or you move out. And I said, am I getting rid of the Alpha? He said, fine, then you're out. Wow. So that evening, he kicked me out of the house. And how old were you? I was 18. Okay. I just turned 18. I was still in my last year in high school because when I came from South Africa over there, the the school year goes by calendar year, not okay. mid-year. Sure, yeah. So, and I came in November, so I was halfway through. I was at the end of a year, but halfway through a year. Here. Okay. So they put me back. So anyway, I spent my last three months in high school not at home. Right, right. And then uh, my <laughs> best friend was in his first year of junior college. Okay. So we got an apartment together. and Was that the kid that you claimed to have bought the Alpha with? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, yeah you guys are now you're stuck together. We're stuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And my dad was right. It was a total pile of junk. <laughs> not that Alphas are. I love Alphas. Sure. But that particular one. Yeah, well, an 18-year-old with limited money. It's not going to yeah. make the well, best decision. Yeah. On yeah. yeah. I like the uh, fact that it wasn't like don't buy another car. It was don't buy a crappy car. Yeah. <laughs> so... If you're as interested as you are that you're buying multiple cars in your teen years, are you going to Daytona or Sebring as a oh, fan yeah. to go see that stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, my first Sebring 12 hour was in 1965. My dad took me. Okay. So he was a fan. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. The year of the Chaparral. Chaparral won. Rained like crazy. We were parked right on the exit of the old International Horseshoe. And uh, right up the fence there, and we slept in the car, and everything was great. So 67, would that be like the John Wire GT40s at that point? 67, um, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. 68 was the 907s, I right, think, 1, right. 2, 3, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and then um, I started, my dad did um, Porsche Club rallies and so on, so we did those together. So that, you know, built the enthusiasm and so on and then I became an SCCA member and I started becoming a pit pit member you know on Daytona you know uh, what is it uh, the pit guys that uh, had oh like the ones that were doing notes yeah okay had yeah, to yeah, write yeah, down yeah. when the yeah. car came in how that's, long that's a lost thing now I don't even think yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like they've been around up until the last few years yeah but people yeah. don't know what that is yeah. that's right. not a public thing so yeah. explain so that, yeah. I mean that time it was a really important job so yeah. I had, yeah, I had yeah. there's a picture that somebody found somewhere I don't have it but I'd like to find it. But um, I've got my red Team Saab jacket on and, and white pants. And, of course, we had to wear white. And we were, you know, the pit stewards. And that's what I did at Daytona. So, but then I was, then I got into autocross and the Saabs. And my buddy that we bought the Alpha together, he got interested in Saabs. So he got me hooked on Saabs. So I sold the 356. The Alpha, of course, we got rid of. And then I started getting into Saabs, and I got a um, 850 Monte Carlo, and then tricked it out and so on and autocrossed it. And then the following year, I made it into a D-Sedan SCCA car, and then I went through the school and all that. And so raced proper it. road racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I did uh, regionals and so on and that. And then I had to move. I, w I was working at uh, Porsche uh, dealerships, Volkswagen okay. Porsche dealerships. Some uh, as a mechanic, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. originally, as a part, well, I started as a Volkswagen mechanic uh -huh. in an independent shop. Okay, then I went to parts department, then I went to service writing, and then I went to management. Um, so then I moved from St. Pete to South Florida and I took a job at Di Maria Porsche Audi, and I was the warranty and public relations manager there. 
And then eventually that led into a parts manager at a Porsche dealership, then a service manager, and then a sales manager. So I spent 20 years in the retail Porsche business. And then during that time is when I raced and so on. So I stopped racing um, just, you know, SCCA, regional, national level, um, early 70s. And then I didn't start racing again till 76. And then we built a 914.6 in the dealership, Porsche Audi of the Palms in uh, West Palm Beach. That's cool. And uh, Jerry Sutherfield, you probably heard that name, owned the store. I worked for Jerry for 10 years. And we built this 914.6 there. And my partner in it was Steve Southard. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> he, I was it is the, a small world. I was the yeah. service manager, and yeah. he was the uh, service advisor. Yeah. Yeah. And we did this car together. It was an old Dave White car uh-huh. that we yep. bought Another that we had to completely redo. Yep. And then our, our third guy in the car was Hal Salman, who was a customer of ours. And you probably don't know that name. No, he didn't race very long, but he was a, a, a very prominent boat racer, okay. offshore boat racer. And he got into car, car racing through Peter Gregg. Because yep. then Peter Gregg <laughs> started doing some offshore boat racing oh, okay. for a while. And, mm-hmm. that's how, and Hal was actually the factory Mercruiser boat at that time. And, uh, and then we went to Daytona and Sebring and did that for a little bit. So that was my first 24-hour, and 12-hour was in 76. Well, what I'm hearing is like a reasonable adult in all of these stories. And here's where I'm going with this. A lot of times when we meet with somebody uh, who's either as a driver or as a team owner, there's usually some sort of shortcut con that they create when they're 22 years old. You know what I mean? I lied about how many hours I'd driven, mm-hmm. and then I walked my way into this big racing program or, or whatever. But you worked at car dealerships. You're doing pit notes. You're doing all kinds of, like, responsible yeah. adult things. Yeah. Real yeah. job at a dealer for Real 10 job, years. Real job, yeah, for yeah. years. <laughs> and you're yeah. finally getting to run to places like Daytona, you know, much later in life than people who maybe get into it when they're 18 on a lie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, that adds up to the Alex Job reputation that I've always known uh, in the sense that you're you, – at no point am I hearing any sort of gamesmanship on your sure, end. Like yeah. you're 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 doing a responsible job and running when you can. Is that a, is that a yeah, fair? It was a, I was raised a good good Dutch boy, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, seventy six was an interesting year at Daytona because that was the year of the water and the fuel. Mm. Oh, yeah. you remember that? I, I've read about it. Yep, and the race got red flagged for a while, and we were one of the few cars that didn't have mm-hmm. water and the fuel. But at the time, the race got stopped for that. We were sitting at uh, turn three with a broken axle, and uh, <laughs> and we would have been out of the race. Right. Like and, it had just uh, happened? Huh? It had just happened? Yeah, it just happened. Oh, and I was okay. driving it when the axle broke. How, how old were you by this point? Uh, at that time, I would have been 26. Um, luckily, the race got red flagged, so we were able to actually push the car through the paddock back to the hot pits. Right. And then we were only supposed to be working on the car fuel related yeah so we were our fuel goes past the axle so, <laughs> so here comes a little bit of that uh so we had somebody working on the car as if they were working on the yeah. on the water on sure. the fuel but yeah. we were somebody was underneath the car changing the axle yeah, right and right. we fixed it and we finished the race nice and i w- i was finishing the race and it was started raining and drizzling mm-hmm. and i'm on these tires and uh, it's pretty slippery. They're the worst they've ever been. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then back in the day, it was before the bus stop. Yeah. They just flat out all So the way you down. just flat yeah. all the way around the back. Yeah. And of course, it's a 914.6 GTU car. <laughs> How fast does it go? Right. Maybe 147 miles an hour. Yeah. But I remember the fastest car was the John Greenwood Corvette. Oh, that, those things are, yeah. That was 220 some miles an hour yeah. down the back straight. Yeah. And I actually, I was so tired because we 
we had to thrash to finish building the car for the race. Um, I actually had to drive from the dealership to the track um, early in the morning because we did an all-nighter to finish the car to get it there. You're right. I was just exhausted. Yeah, it's a fun way to start the 24-hour. <laughs> yeah. So I fell asleep going down the back street yeah. during what? the race. <laughs> I think it's the first time we've ever heard you admit that. I fell asleep. <laughs> so thank God that was the days before the bus stop because yeah. what woke me up was coming into NASCAR 3 when the car all of a sudden did this. Oh, you know, like when you're going down the highway <laughs> and you drop the wheel right. over the... Only you're going 150. Yeah, at a yeah. racetrack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I got on the radio immediately and said, I'm coming now. I'm pitting now. They said, no, we're not ready for you. I said, I'm pitting now. I got to pit now. I just fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I came in, got out. and I, <laughs> I, I had the craziest dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember who finished it. But uh, anyway, I think we finished ninth in class or something. Well, now like I understand that. the four and six rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and what's, what's the goal during all this? Because what I'm not hearing is a razor-sharp focus of I want a career in I racing. No, I do. So, You're just a um, car guy, it sounds like. I, you know, I wasn't looking for a career as a driver. Yeah. I was okay. Yeah. But I was really a gentleman driver, as we sure, classify yeah, it today. Mm -hmm. I there was a phrase told that'll come up later, but there was a phrase we heard earlier, uh, mechanic racer. Yeah. Mechanic driver. That was me. And that's sort of that an era me. of guys that can yeah. turn I built, built yeah. my own cars, you know, yeah. and so on. So yeah. I was a mechanic racer, you know, and I was, let's just say, a bronze driver, you mm -hmm. know, yeah, at, sure. at best, you know. Yeah. I was okay. Um, I held my own. Yeah. Right, but at no point is this. But no point was that going to be a this? career. Yeah. But I did, yeah. I did um, dream about a career in motorsports. Sure. But I so. In 1978, we built a 935 in the shop, and um, I'm going to mention a name now, but hopefully it doesn't tie me to anything bad. But it was the Winning Brothers 935. Well, Alex, we sat down we with had, uh, uh, Don. Don Whittington. <laughs> yeah. Did you? The same day we had lunch with Don Whittington, we had dinner with Randy Lanier. Oh, no kidding. And not planned. Yeah, that's how it worked out. It yeah. worked out. Well, Don and uh, Bill were customers of ours yeah. at the dealership. Yeah. They had 911 turbos. They and pay they cash? Huh? Do they pay cash? Oh, yeah. Everything was cash. <laughs> <laughs> and they had their RV business mm -hmm. down the street yes. on Okeechobee yeah. Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, Lots general, of storage. General RV. Yeah. You know? And um, they decided, oh, yeah. So what happened is Jerry Sutherfield, my lead mechanic, Danny Stahl, who later opened his own yeah, place, Stahl yeah. Motorsport. Well, we, the three of us, took Don and Bill to Daytona to the 24-hour. And, and we were – and so uh, – Reinhold Yost and Jerry Sutherfield are very good friends. Yost was there in a Porsche owned by um, Conrad, by Franz Conrad. So Conrad, Yost, and Volker Merrill, I think was his name, German doctor, were running that car. And we hung out with them during the race. And Don and Bill got hooked, okay? And so then um, I heard about this guy, Jim Bell. <laughs> and Jim was running... Um, the 935 for Gary Belcher, Belcher mm -hmm. Oil. Mm -hmm. So I got on, I go down to Miami and I go into the shop that one Saturday morning and there's Jim and Joe Vardy. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Party Vardy. Yeah. Vardy. He's also been on this show. Has he? Did, did Jim Bell have a mustache even then? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, just yeah. making sure. I know, I'm sure Joe Vardy did too. Mustache and Gucci's always wears Gucci's. <laughs> he work on the cars with his Gucci's. Yeah. You gotta look good. So anyway, I got Jim to come up, and then Jim helped us finish the car. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we took it to Talladega for the six-hour we had back in the day. Yeah. And we wound up second. Mm -hmm. And then everybody's saying, who are these guys? Who the hell are these guys? Right. Winter Brothers, never heard of them. Yeah, yeah. So 
at that point, I was kind of, um, I don't want to say team managing, but kind of managing mm -hmm. the yeah. stuff, you know? I'm imagining a dealership deal like that. It's there, No one has a role. Everybody's just doing their thing. Yeah. And you're just making the program yeah. work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a side yeah. project. Yeah. So at that point, I had to make a decision. I had eight years into what became a 20-year career, <laughs> okay? And, and I was a service manager, and I was the youngest service manager in the southeast, in the district. I was 25. That's how old I was. I was 25 years old at that point. So I had to decide, am I going to stay with you know, the career I started right. in a Porsche retail business, sure. or am I going to go racing full-time <laughs> yeah. with this Whittington Brother thing? <laughs> so anyway, I decided to stay with the dealership. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, which in the end I think was a good choice because, uh, you know, the things were a little, a little questionable with, uh, you know, when there were brown Publix shopping bags of cash that came to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, things, yeah. You know, so, so, so w but was that part of the decision-making is – you don't necessarily want to ask what they're up to, but you can you can tell it's not all yeah. in the up and up. And is it was that part of the decision though that that, uh, well, that maybe my stable job makes more sense than this thing? That at could that go time, away? I didn't know anything. You okay. know, right. I didn't know. I mean, they, yeah, okay. you know, the, the, back in that day, cash was the business. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I mean, people came <laughs> yeah. in and paid. You just use the app on your phone and just like boop. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were no phones, of course, back then, and pe people came in with bags of yeah, cash and paid yeah. for new cars and stuff right, you know right. that was the yeah. that was the lifestyle back then so anyway i turned everything over to jim bell okay and jim yeah. kind of took it over from yep. there yeah that was my turning point of do i go racing full-time mm -hmm. or do i stick with what i started and i decided to stick with what i started and to sean's point a few minutes ago the the smart adult decision yeah you made the adult decision <laughs> were there other were there other factors kind of bounding you to being an adult well, i was like, i was married right and that's why i'm asking i had yeah. responsibilities yeah um and I just decided this was a smarter thing to do. So, um, you know, people ask me, do you regret it? No. Well, you did okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming back yeah, the yeah, other you're, way. You're on our show for a reason. <laughs> yes. um, you yeah. know, I mean, I, dealers. Yeah. Yeah. I went through a midlife crisis because I didn't start Alex Job Racing until 1987. Sure. You know, I was almost 40 years old. Yeah, so, so the Whittington thing would have been like 77, 78, somewhere would in there? It would have been 78. Yeah, okay. So yeah, It was the first half of 78, and that was it, and then yeah. I got out. So just, uh, and again, because our fans can be from anywhere, 79, the Whittingtons win the Maw. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, yeah. you know, Paul Newman finished the second with Dick Barber. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And you go back to dealership life, and so that had well, to be I a little I bit. I never left the dealership life. Okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah. But you're no longer a part of that Because I was doing both. Yeah, yeah. And then that's the other thing. I was juggling both, and it was killing me yeah. physically, yeah. mentally. So I had to choose either one of the two, and mm -hmm. I stayed with the dealership. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I doubt your wife is loving this lifestyle. Yeah, it's more She was more uh, not a fan of the racing, although. Um, because the time it took you away? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was gone all the time. Yeah. You know. So you, you mentioned earlier you were starting to get a little frustrated with life, and you had like an epiphany, like a midlife crisis? Well, that's, no, I just said that was the so-called midlife crisis, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, so in 1987, I decide, okay, I'd like to go do some IMSA racing again. Right, because you've had eight years off at this yeah, point. And yeah, and at that time, I was remarried, so I was remarried then to Holly. And, uh, and I told Holly, you know, I'd like to do some racing, so... She says, cool, that'd be cool. So, you know, I thought, oh, you know, Bug Eye Sprite for H production or something, you know. Well, anyway, it led to getting a 911. Yeah. <laughs> so I... I um, I bought this car out of, I think, Virginia, and it did some racing in IMSA, just little selected events. I don't even remember who owned it anymore. And um, got it down to 
um, West at that time, let me think not, I was living in Orlando then because um, um, in the early 80s then I left the dealership in uh, West Palm Beach and I came to Orlando. That's what got me to this area. And I went to work as a Mercedes sales manager at Contemporary Cars. And that's how I finished out my career. Um, in 1990, in April of 90 is when I left the car business full time and started the racing full time. But I started the team in 87, but I bought this car and I bought it together with a partner, um, an attorney out of Palm Beach. And Danny Stahl was the one mm -hmm. that was doing the work on it. So uh, Danny w was building this car and um, well, it just wasn't getting done quick enough. Roughly and what year is this? This is 1987. Okay. It, it wasn't getting done quick enough, and Danny had his regular shop, his regular job, you know, and uh, my partner was losing interest. So I wound up buying him out, and I went down there and, and collected everything and brought it back to Orlando and finished the car, and, and I built that first car in my two-car garage at home right. while I was a full-time Mercedes. But on the full knowledge that this was how you... What you, what you didn't realize is you had a client, um, you know, yep. you call it a partner, but, you know, what is still instilled in you today yeah, is the idea yeah. that this guy's excited because he wants to be here. Yep. If he's not excited, this goes away. Yep. Yeah. He was... Uh, and you don't get to play with race cars if he goes away. <laughs> yeah. He was a client. Yeah. 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 I call him a partner, but he was more a client. Yeah. So, uh, so in 1988, I built that car um, basically from a tub in my two-car garage, and there was a mechanic in the shop, in the a Porsche mechanic in the Contemporary Cars dealership um, that was my very first crew guy. And he wired the car for me and everything. I built the car, but I'm not an electrician. He came in and wired it. And his name is Pablo Diaz. Pablo still works at that dealership, okay? Pablo still crews. He crewed for me all through the years. He crews on the number 23 harder racing say, Aston uh, Martin. Yeah, I'm sure I'm out of time. Yeah, so yeah, I, know him. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if you know this, but about half of the John Wright crew on the 16 <laughs> yeah. car is yep. my old guys. Yep. And, about, and about half of the 23 team yeah. on the harder racing is yeah. my old guys. So we called Phil, yeah. Phil Pierce, yeah. and he was telling us that. And uh, the, the thing that we both thought was really cool was that to this day, like they just won the, the heart of racing, just won the Daytona 24 hour here in March of 20 or you know, uh, January of 23. Yep. yep. Uh, you reach out to those guys afterwards. Like you're apparently always checking up on your guys. Yeah. I sent Phil a text. Yeah. Said yeah. Congrats. That's yeah. awesome. It's not like you just like, well, my team's done. I don't care anymore. You're still, keep, uh, you're I still keeping up with your guys. I, follow That's all, I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I built that car in the garage and then we debuted it at uh, Daytona 89, but I drove a short time. I only drove 89. 90 and 91. Yeah, that's what I found on, online. Yeah, and then at yeah. the end of 91, I I said, um, I'm never going to be much of a driver. I need to concentrate on running the team. I need to sell my seat because I need the income. I'd say at this point, you don't have your day job anymore, so it's no, got to work. No, yeah, I had to yeah. sell my seat. Um, plus, I started developing motion sickness. Wow. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I started developing motion sickness, and that was playing havoc with me. Yeah, so and you're right around 40 at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my yeah. combination of the motion sickness, uh, having to sell the seat, yeah. and uh I need to pay attention yeah. to my real job now, which is yeah. owning this team. Running making this work. Yeah. I got out of profit now. Yeah, yeah. I got out of the seat. Yeah. I still drove um, on and off a little bit with testing and so on, um, but no more in any races. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. Because I, I, you're, again, a responsible adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you so very I much. So I really, you know, uh, you know, by today's standards, I had a really minimal driving career. Right. You know? Right. But it's not a zero driving career, which means no. you do come from some understanding of it. I did finish yeah. second at Daytona, 24-hour in 1990, and I did finish second at Sebring in uh, 91. Um, so I got two second places. Back then, we didn't have podiums, so I never got celebrated podium. Right. Um, but uh, that was the... I never actually won as a driver at that level, just second place. Right. Still think you did okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you you stopped in the 70s uh, to kind of be an adult, think about your wife, think about your family. Uh, and then obviously you then went through personal changes to then, and then you had a second wife who pushed you to go racing. And that seems to be a theme here that we've heard with many people is that it sounds like the, the, the support from home is a big part of when somebody ends up in the sport versus Oh, not. yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. So when we decided to go race the Porsche and we decided, you know, let's go do the 24 hours of Daytona, um, this, was a, this was a volunteer team. Right. Nobody was being paid. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this was when you could show up in an IMSA race. Yeah. 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 These with, were, with these were mechanics of, out yeah. of yeah. my buddies with home-built cars. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. Literally yeah. in his garage at home. Yeah. 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 Yep. Right. And actually, Different time. <laughs> the Kraft brothers, Chris and Pete and Eric Kraft, they were uh, Mercedes dealership owners, but they had a team back in the 80s called Red Racing. I don't know if you remember that. And they raced Mustangs in the Firehawk series. Um so between their mechanics and my mechanics, we kind of put a volunteer team together. Um, and uh, so I told Holly, let's go do this 24-hour race. So she, I said, you just got to feed the team for 24 hours. And she goes, oh, I can do that. So she, had, she went and got a bunch of crock pots and stuff like that. And she says, uh, she loved to tell the story all the time. She says, so Alex told me I just got to feed these guys for 24 hours. Well, what I forgot to tell her was, well, we show up at the racetrack on Wednesday. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't leave till Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, back then, you know, we didn't have Marion and so on. Sure, so, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. that's that was her rude her intro. awakening. Yeah, like, intro, oh, intro, oh, you intro. meant you meant all week. Yeah, yeah. 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 Intro to racing. Think I'm working for free. Um, yeah, exactly. This is my spare time. Yeah. yeah. It, was she? Was she a race fan, or was this all because of you? Yeah, it was because of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she didn't follow racing at all prior to that. She didn't know anything about it. So, um, so yeah, she, uh, as you know, is gone. Um, and it was a huge loss in in my life and my career because we were partners together. And uh, you know, the only way the, those early years when I stopped. Uh, when I did have my midlife crisis, and I and I did do a, gave up the a stupid job. thing, yeah. and I gave up a very good day job <laughs> that I had 20 years invested in, yeah. right. and and she was working at the hospital, and doing double shifts to pay for things, and we had a little nest egg that went awful fast. Yeah, right. Without right. her support, physically, mentally, everything, it would have never happened. You know, because it took several years before we could turn some black ink, you know, yeah. red ink there yeah. for a number of years, you know. So I don't think anybody in our sport ever refers to Alex Job singularly, unless it's the name of the team, it's Alex and Holly. Yes. So how did you guys first meet? We met at Banana Boat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did not <laughs> on, see that coming. On, on, yeah. on Ogunjobi yeah. Boulevard yeah. one night. Yeah. 
We went there to drink and dance, and she went there with her roommate, and I went there with Danny Stahl okay. And, okay. and Mike Peters. Oh, yeah, for nice. sure. Okay. Man, and how, how, how newly name. single are you at this point? Uh, I was about six months. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah my first so wife of 10 yeah. and a half years decided yeah. she couldn't take my lifestyle anymore. So right. she Even though the racing was done. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She decided uh, to check out. Sure. Yeah, and unfortunately, that was a difficult time. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, yeah, we went. Uh, banana boat. Banana <laughs> boat, and that's how we met. And we were having breakfast at Denny's at uh, 3.30 in the morning. That same night? Yeah. That same night. Okay, yeah, so good, good night. Actually, next morning. Well, yeah, ten, right, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what were you driving back then? Um, I had a company car. Yeah, uh-huh. That's what I thought. let me think. What did I have then? Yeah, I had an cool. Audi Quattro. Oh, that was a cool car back then. I My had dad an Audi, Audi uh, two-door Quattro. Uh huh. Okay. And then, uh, what what pattern of floral was the, was the shirt you were wearing? Was it, was it like a like a Hawaiian shirt or no. like what was the? I mean, you're going out looking for for a good time. Back then, I was uh, penny loafers. Okay. Um, okay. You know, uh, no, I was pretty boring you were okay you were still alex job i was still alex he's still yeah, a yeah. sensible my, adult my shirt my shirt yeah. was still tucked in yeah I was right still, he's just a responsible adult i had yeah. the palm beach look with no socks but you know but okay uh, you know but you, yeah you were go, you're going crazy yeah <laughs> two weeks later um we're on a i won a sales contest a porsche sales contest and that contest allowed me to go to bermuda for a week and, and allowed me to, the first night we went to New York City, and we had dinner uh, at Windows on the World. Okay. Which you remember was on the very was top. Was that the World Trade Center? World yeah, Trade yeah, Center. Yeah, the very top restaurant. It was a very big deal. floor, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so Holly's mother was a office manager at a car dealership. And she told Holly, have you lost your mind? <laughs> you just met this guy. He's a, sa a car, car dealership <laughs> salesman. Yeah. They're all scumbags. The They're worst. liars and cheaters. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going out of the country to Bermuda with this guy? <laughs> Has it been two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks. You yeah. had game. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we, we had dinner windows on the world. It was uh -huh. awesome. That, is, that was a cool place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And... I don't know if I never got to go, but I've seen a lot of photos of it. So there yeah, was yeah. a there was a place uh, in the restaurant mm -hmm. that you could about this big right. that, that was a glass. It was a um, uh, like an overlook, right? An overlook yeah, right. that out of the building, yep. and you go out there and you're standing outside the building, yeah. and you're looking straight down, and it's it's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And you pick a point and you look. And you see the building just swaying. Oh, no. Give me the creeps. No, Yeah, I wouldn't do well with that. And you do the elevator and your ears pop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. What was Do you know the phrase game? Like how you talk to a lady that's referred to as game. Yeah. So what was your game with Holly when you met her to get it two weeks in to get her to do with this international island trip? Don't know. I just used my natural charm, I guess. I say it was the Quattro and it was a trip to Bermuda. She liked that. Yeah, she liked that. Yeah. Um, Sean has asked that question so many times. I have a, like, there's going to be a racer's game yeah. book it's at some point. Yeah. How to do, how to do it'll this. be like, have a cool car. Yeah, have a cool trips car. Trips to Bermuda. Yeah. <laughs> those, those tend to work pretty well. Or be Brazilian. Look like Felipe Nasser. That's a good one. Yeah, that gets that gets a lot of attention. I tell you, the business was good to me because in addition to that trip, later on I won a trip to Alcapoco. Uh -huh. I won a trip to Aruba. And this is all dealership stuff. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. A, so I this is how they It's like an incentive yep. thing. Yep. Like you sell I so much or I whatever. I won a trip to the Virgin Islands. None of this would have ever happened without Holly. You know. 
Well, so so let's let's talk about that. Uh, since I've known you since I was a kid or know, known about you and been at the racetrack and all that, I've never seen you at the track without Holly. Right. But you met her and quickly went on a vacation <laughs> within a few weeks. Uh, how quickly after that do you guys end up moving in together? Pretty quick. Yeah, I was going to say, I think <laughs> you guys were meant to be together a lot, you know. Yeah, it, we, like, it, uh, we didn't get married till um, 83. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this was 81 we got together. Right. Yeah. 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 So the trip went pretty well. Talk. Trip went great. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Trip. Wait, so what, <laughs> at, the, at the club. Uh, <laughs> the banana boat. The banana boat. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what, was it just like your group of, this group of girls, this group of guys, and she, it was just timing or did she yeah, stand Yeah, we out? just, uh, you know, there was five of us and um, I decided to go ask Holly to dance and uh, she was a great dancer and I was Okay, back then. You did all right, yeah. And we just hit it off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where everybody else melted away kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. You know, I believe in fate. Uh I believe that that things happen for reasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the good Lord decided to put me in that place at that time. And uh, that's how we met, you know. So what was Holly doing for work when you met her? She was a medical technologist Uh um, at a hospital in Jupiter. Okay. And she later on uh, got a master's degree in health administration. And in later years, I convinced her to leave the medical field and come to work for the family business. (laughs) Yeah, the family Uh, business. Become my dream. Become the bookkeeper for the family business. And she had absolutely zero training. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She used to remind me of that every day. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the thing that would scare me about bringing a spouse into the bookkeeping of a race team is that they see firsthand what a bad idea this is. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. she wrote the check. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she knew how bad it so was. So if you need something, you have to convince the boss, the yeah. real boss, yeah. Yeah. like oh, yeah, why yeah. you need it. Yeah, exactly. She wrote the checks. Yeah. yeah. So one of the reoccurring themes we've got from drivers that worked with you and mechanics and stuff like that was that you didn't just buy new stuff all the time. You're very good at revitalizing older equipment and making it look as good as new. Is that because you had to convince Holly to buy you new stuff? No, that's because I couldn't afford new <laughs> okay, stuff. Okay, so it was like we just so need to make this I, work. I just had to buy what I could afford. Yeah, yeah. So I would buy used stuff and then refurbish it, you know. And uh, so, for instance, my first tractor trailer transporter was a concept trailer. And... Um, Back then, uh, Canepa built them with wood floors. You know, it looked like a bowling alley. So every off-season, we would refinish that floor. It would look just like this. This table? Yeah, yeah. just like this yeah. table. Yeah. Okay? And uh, Dave Mirage from Champion, Champion. loved it. Yeah. He absolutely yeah. loved it. He would come over and look at that yeah, floor like every time. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. So And then I painted it and so on. So, yeah, I, the, um, you know, I... I have never been a wealthy guy. Still not a wealthy guy. I'm comfortable now sure, that yeah. I'm retired. Yeah. But never been wealthy, um, you know. But I've raced with the likes of people that have lots of money, and the only way I could stay with the Joneses was to buy used stuff and then fix it up. You know, for instance, my golf, my uh, Taylor Dunn. I can't. Who can afford a brand new Taylor Dunn now? these days? <laughs> Jesus, they're like 30 grand. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. For a golf cart, for a flat golf cart. So I bought a 1992 Taylor Dunn from Jim Bell. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right, of course. And refurbished it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's still being used today. And um, (laughs) Steve Dynan's team has it. Yeah, the Carbon team. (laughs) Carbon. That's that's their Taylor Dunn. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, so, and I took, you know, a golf cart and converted it into a pit cart and yeah. things like that. Right, know? right. 
your early days when you're running like 993s and these different like GTU looking Porsches, forgive me if I get the class wrong. Um, it just seemed like you're running cars. You've got Angelo Chili and, and Lazaro and Mike Conti, I think, at, at different times. Yeah, Mike Conti. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll back you up just a yeah, little bit yeah, sure. because um, that tub car that I built in 88 and raced in 89. In your garage? That yep, car, yeah. That car, we finished <laughs> second with it at Daytona mm-hmm. in 90. Then we went to Sebring with it, and it got crashed. 45 minutes into the race, uh, destroyed the car. Yeah. So I had to build a new car. Mm-hmm. So I decided I, got, I need a tube chassis car. Right. You know, that was the days of tube chassis. Yeah. So I commissioned <coughs> Dave Clem to build me a tube chassis. Mm-hmm. And the chassis he built was a copy of the 935 Fabcar chassis car that he mm-hmm. built for Bob Aiken. Yeah. So I got him to build the chassis, and yeah. then I built the second car in that same two-car garage at home. <laughs> <laughs> and I had never done real fab work, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So all the aluminum panels for that car I built with a little three-in-one. You know what a three-in-one is? The no. brake shear and roll. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> this big. Yeah. I built all the aluminum panels yeah. with that three-in-one shear. Built the car right there, and um, and then we debuted that car at Daytona in '91. Two hours into the race, it starts raining, and uh, my driver Chris Kraft is in the car. And he's behind Calvin Fish in the factory Mazda. Mm-hmm. Calvin slams into the wall. Oof. All the crap comes right, off right, the car. Right. Chris gets caught up in Calvin's trash <laughs> and crashes the car. Yeah. Okay, Two hours. Brand new car. I just built a whole year building. <laughs> and then the right rear got bent. If that was a tub car, we would have been done. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was a tube car. Yeah, took it back to the garage. Got out the Porter Powers. Yeah. Squ- Pushed the tubes back straight, got back in the race, and I think we finished, still finished, back then it was a lot of attrition, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we still finished fifth or sixth <laughs> or something like that. Right. Because back in the day, then you could build your own cars and all that. Yeah, but I'm not hearing crazy homologation needs at all. The, no, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm going yeah. to get to that. So. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna, excuse I'm gonna me. Get to yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we get to BOP, that's a real source up to oh, well, What do you mean? What do you mean, Alex Job? <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so anyway... The, um, so I, in 93, I had a customer, Charlie Slater. Charlie wanted to buy the car. So I sold him the car in 93, which allowed me, gave me the money to buy a rig because I was borrowing rigs and stuff. and allowed me, gave me enough money to buy a rig and actually start. Like a proper hauler. Start, yeah, yeah, proper yeah. hauler and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, you know. And then the following year in 94, Charlie bought the series bought IMSA, so my customer was the owner of the series. It's a good problem to have. He was and Andy Evans of IMSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah actually, Uh-oh. that comes later. I can tell you that story, Oh, too. we will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so you're now, I mean, technically, Alex Strobe's racing started in 88. You're racing in 90. It took you five years, four years to own a trailer? It took me three years. Yeah, we, yeah I borrowed the red racing rig for two years. I borrowed wow. Tommy Johnson's rig for a year yeah. or two. And you're like podiuming at big races. Yeah, yeah. On borrowed equipment for three years. <laughs> I, you're I like, doing I like yeah. the little smile he's got. He's oh, like, yeah. 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 I was pretty well connected. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then in when Charlie buys the series in 94, he decides in 95 that the, the GT cars need to look more like the road car. So... He changes the rules. So then that car gets rebodied as a 993, okay, and debuts at Daytona in 95 as a 993. 
and um, and so it was the first 993 on the racetrack, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. But it wasn't a because factory it wasn't, car. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tube car. Yeah. Porsche didn't like that so much. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and back then, you could build your own cars, build your own engines, and I did. I built my own car. I built my own engines. I built my own gearboxes, did everything. And then, then uh, I think we were sixth at, Sebr- at Daytona. And then uh, Oberlin, Bill Oberlin, was in a cup version modified 911 that was so fast on the banking, but we were still faster in that car. That car actually was doing 174 miles an hour on the banking That's back then. One of those things, yeah. Because yeah, 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 yeah. it was really slick. Right, you know? right. And uh, then we went to Sebring and won the 12 hours. And my drivers were Bill Oberlin, Charlie Slater, and Joe Cogbill. And uh, that was our first of 10 Sebring wins. Believe it or not, that was the first professional win for that car, <laughs> for the team. Right, right. So obviously that that win, people ask me, what's your most favorite win? What's your special? Yeah. I would say it has to be that because that was the first win. Yeah, you know? yeah. That was our uh, pass-along question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. So, but... Then we go up into the 993 versions, 964, 993s. I ran a 964 for um, Charles Coker at Daytona and Sebring, and Jeff Perner was one of the drivers then, and so was uh, the guy that was doing the TV stuff, the production stuff, and so on. Terry, Terry Linger. Linger. Terry Linger was one of my drivers. And so time he's been I didn't know he drove. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he yeah, would yeah, show yeah. up wow. yeah. Yeah. Terry was pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, then, so then the 993s, we were, st- those, so that was the, the 964 was the first time Porsche started building yeah. customer race cars again. But the cars were still so based on the road car. They just really weren't competitive enough, sure. you know, especially against the PGG BMWs and so on. Yeah, and those you those know? cars are like iconic. You know, they yeah. were so successful. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah and I mean, factory I think, program. I think yeah. Milner won 13 races in a row. If, yeah, if I remember right, before we finally beat him. Yeah. So then we took the 993s and we started modifying those, mm-hmm. and uh, we went from 12 inch section to 14 inch section, and we went to you know GT2 styling. But we did a lot of stuff. We converted yeah. the the fuel management system to Motec. Okay. We strengthened the chassis, um, lightened them up a lot. And uh, then the most successful of those cars for us was the serial number 067 Aerofab car. Yeah, the blue and white, right? Yeah, yeah. that we won Daytona and Sebring back-to-back with in 99. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Bill Oberlin, not the driver, but the person. <laughs> how, how was he when he first started? Like how are his, how are his jeans? <laughs> I mean, his like, jeans, like his yeah. actual like denim yeah, well, jeans. Yeah, were his denim jeans too tight then? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he so, hasn't changed in that regard. No, no, no. Was he was he as peppy oh. and excited as he, he is now on TV? He is the same Bill still. <laughs> and what's interesting is his dad won GTU at Sebring ten years earlier, '85, and uh, and then he won it ten years later in '95, and. Uh, and really, one of the biggest reasons we won that race that year was because of Bill. Really? He was yeah. just so even, fast. Even he then was so he was good. Stud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was, was quite so young then. Yeah. He wanted to actually drive for me. He was 17 years old. And he wanted to drive for me at Sebring in 89. Yeah. And I told Gary, I said, no way. He's just too young. I'm just not going to do it. You <laughs> yeah. know? This kid, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at um, those jeans he's wearing. I'll tell you what. You know how he got the BMW ride with Milner? Through Holly. Whoa, what? what? Yep. Holly told Tom, you got it. Because 
So that year in 95, we won Sebring and a whole bunch of other podiums. So we go to the last race of the year and then uh, I don't remember if Billy crashed the car or it broke or something. Um, the last practice session prior to qualifying. So Charlie says, okay, I'm gonna step out of our car and I'm gonna rent a ride from Richard Ramis in his 964 RSR and let Billy get in the car. So Billy goes to qualify, puts it on the pole. Okay, JP's second and Donahue's third. And uh, so the start of the race, uh, Billy just totally snookers JP and causes him to break his axle. Uh -huh. JP's out of the race. Uh, David's second, but Billy just drives away from him, totally drives away from him. And uh, so after that, oh, Tom was so pissed. Oh, I'm sure. Tom yeah. and I, late through the years, Tom Milner Sr. good friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tom Sr. <laughs> um, yeah. We, we became good friends, but we were pretty pretty fierce rivals there for a while. But he said, Holly says, you want you want a, uh, the best driver? You got to hire Billy. Well, he did. The following year, 96, he hired Billy. Anyway, that's that's how Billy mm -hmm. got his ride in BMW. Which is still happening now. Which he still has. <laughs> yeah. So do you get royalties, or how does that work? Like, uh, yeah. does he, does he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... The 993 was the last series of cars that you could modify. You do stuff too, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that was the beginning of homologations. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And, of course, homologations led to, in my view, spec racing, led to BOPs, led to handcuffed. And today, as far as I'm concerned... Racing is handcuffed, you know. To me, it's it's balance of punishment. It's not balance. It's not balance of performance. It's balance of punishment. Um, Alvin Springer's favorite phrase: socialized racing. Yeah. yeah. And so people <laughs> yeah, people say, right. "Why'd you quit?" And that's one of the biggest reasons I quit. The other reason was I lost Holly, my partner, in 2017, and that was the last year we had a professional team. Um, but I am not a fan whatsoever of the BOP. I just so you have a nostalgia for the 1990s when you could I not like, garage build a car, but continue to yeah, build a I liked car it that was when yours. A team could build a car. You know, a team could do the engine. Now, you know, only the manufacturers can do the engines. Only the manufacturers can do the gearboxes. Back then, I built my own engines, did my own gearboxes, did my own development. You know, can't do that anymore. And uh, to and me, the way it's of managing just, it is this BOP thing, yeah, which is just, so against your nature. It's stifled competition to yeah. me. You know, I just... Uh, well, so we, we had uh, lunch a few days ago with Jim Downing. Um, and, and BOP in some form existed even, you know, going back to years before in his day. It did. Um, so it's always existed, but you're saying it's, it's very different now in response to the way we're homologated. Well, the big difference back then was there was a technical rule book. Okay. So the IMSA had a technical rule book. And back then, you built a car to the technical rule book. Yeah, right. And you were allowed to. And we'd always bend it just a little bit, you know. What do you mean? In racing? Eh, just <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, great, the, the gray area. But if you had a winning car and it met the technical rule book, you were allowed to win with it. Even if you won 13 times in a row like Milner did in that stretch of 96, 97, 98. 98, we finally started beating them. 
And I think in 99, he only won twice. We won all the other races. Yeah. Um, great year. But, yeah, it was a great year. But these were cars we built, you know. And so then the technical rule book went away. And then ACO didn't have a technical rule book. They just had homologations, FIA homologated. So then, you know, manufacturer had to build a car, had to send it to France. FIA had to homologate the car. Okay. And then once it was homologated, you were allowed to compete with it. And then if it was done well and homologated well, you still got to win with it. Porsche won a lot of races. So when you say technical rule book versus homologation, you're saying there was a rule book that gave you the parameters you could build your car within, whereas now the rule book is this is the spec of the car that you're provided. There is no technical rule book anymore. Right. There's a sporting regulation book only. Yeah. No technical rule book. And uh, so it progresses. It progresses to homologated cars, which we still have today, but then it progressed beyond the homologated car that you were still allowed to win with if you're racing it as homologated to the point that, oh no, you won two races in a row, so now you're gonna get a smaller restrictor and you're gonna get weight and, you know. And, and now it's even gotten to the point where even the pit stop competition is gone. Minimum 40 second pit stop. You can't do a short fill and, and, and I mean, it's just, you can't do anything. I'll give you another example. 2016, we're running the, uh, the harder racing car and Petit, last race of the year. We're in the hunt to win the endurance championship. We're leading it comfortably and a lower control, front lower control arm bolt breaks. Okay, cost us the championship. Okay, you're not allowed to change the bolts. You can't even yeah, you change can't get the a better, hardware. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah, yeah. this bolt, this bolt's about this long. Mm -hmm. It's a streetcar bolt. Sure. It's yeah. designed for <laughs> rubber suspension. Yeah. Porsche says, oh, there's a bolt, grabs yeah. it off the shelf, uh -huh. puts it on the car. Now we have a double heim, double heim, yeah. not, not rubber joint. Yeah, right, okay. right. Same bolt. Yeah, so a lot more stress. Yeah. Heim here, heim here, yeah, yeah. threaded to here, shank to here. Mm -hmm. So right in the middle of that shear point is where the thread stops and it goes to shank. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the bolt yeah, broke? Yeah, right, right on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're so pissed. <laughs> and we were, and it was a brand new bolt. Yeah. We put a brand new bolt in before the race. Sure. Torque to the proper spec, mm -hmm. everything else. It's no race car engineer on this planet would ever have specced that bolt right. for that application. Right. Porsche would never admit to it. They said, sure. oh, we'll send the bolt back to Weissach and we'll analyze it. And I said, stick it up your ass. I yeah. was so pissed. <laughs> uh, and um, it's still like that. Yeah. You can't do anything. And I think the world of, you know, John Doonan, yeah. you know, running IMSA, there's key people there that are really good. Sure. But I just... I just wish the racing world hadn't become so spec. But speaking of homologation, um, so the 2000s come around, your team that's able to beat PTG, winning races, but you're not really the factory team no. um, until you get to that, that changeover in, in era. So how does this come together where Porsche starts, to, you know, initially they start giving you stuff and then you become the guys. And I think most people now associate the heyday of Alex Job as being that early mid 2000s era. Yeah, I mean the McKenna years was the yeah. the years that. that yeah. So, um, in '98 we were at Las Vegas, and I think it was the last race of the year, and we had the 993 there. So Alvin Springer, Alvin Springer invited me to Santa Ana to come 
with our car and our engine and do a, a dyno comparison run. Interestingly enough, his engine had more horsepower than mine. My engine had more torque than his. Oh. I built my engines for torque. Right. So you, in some ways, had more usable power. I think so. Yeah. Um, but anyway, after that, Porsche said, we'll start to give you some support if you give us your engine program. We do your engines. Oh, interesting. And so rather than say, what'd you do, can we just have this? Yeah. And uh, yeah, here's so the trade-off. Interesting. You're so making me look bad. <laughs> right. I was, I, was, I was building a lot of engines at that time. And um, it was hard to run the business and build all the engines. So from 99 on, we started using Andal or, or Porsche Motorsport engines. Not Andal. It was called Porsche Motorsport then. Yeah. And uh, then in 2000, they wanted to support me with two cars. But my customer was Bruno Lambert and Randy Popes that year. And, uh, and we only had enough budget for one car. So I... I had to walk away from it. I said, I can't do it. And, and so they said, well, we're going to go with Dick, uh, Dick Barber. And I said, okay. Um, so I walked away from it that year. A, a factory effort. Yep. Yeah, because the sensible away. adult saw that he yeah. had a customer and he didn't <laughs> want to walked, walked away from the factory efforts. And, and I knew Dick didn't have the money either. And sure yeah. enough, halfway through the year, they ran out of money and Porsche paid for the second half of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so then comes 2001. Now it's a new car. It's a uh, RS. And then uh, they, the support got ramped up from Porsche. Yeah. Then now, I, by this, by 2001, the momentum of the American Le Mans series has really started to become a thing. Manufacturers yeah. are noticing it. Yeah. Audi is doing a huge thing at Le Mans. Like yeah. It's, it's so now, more viable. Now, all my drivers are factory Porsche drivers, and um, that takes a, you know, a, a big burden off the payroll. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and they're supplying the cars and the engines and the parts, you know, the, and uh, I still had to come up with a budget, um, but all the hard stuff and the drivers and all that was supplied from them. It was never a... So you're it, not getting it, money from Porsche, but you're getting free drivers, free car, free... I so. got some money, but I didn't get the budget. I had to right. come up with a good part of the you budget. You still have to run the program and pay for running the program, yeah. but a lot of the stuff... Yeah. It was run. not a, you know, still all my equipment, yeah. you know, just right. like uh, Schnitzer everything belonged to BMW, yeah. the rigs and the equipment and everything, you know. And this is not your case. No, it's yeah. all my equipment, yeah. it's all my stuff, right. it's my payroll, you know, all my mechanics. Uh, but you also don't have a funded driver now. But I don't have a funded driver anymore. Yeah, you have to now get yeah. this paid for because yes. you don't have the, the pockets yourself. No, I have to this. go get a McKenna Porsche to, right. to help fund it, you know, and so on. And So Danny McKenna shows up. Yeah, Danny. How did you, because so so Actually, I, I live a few miles away from McKenna's dealerships down in Southern California. In Norwalk. So, uh-huh. um, that like, obviously you've got a lot of relationships with dealerships over the years, but how does a Southern California dealership end up sponsoring a guy based out, out here in Central Florida? Court Wagner. All Court Wagner. Yeah, unfortunately, Court got screwed on that deal because um, he brought the McKenna program, but then, and he thought he was going to be one of the drivers, um, but Porsche decided not. And uh, so Porsche's deal to give you the stuff was they're giving you everybody. Yeah, the deal was no put side. together, and then the drivers were assigned, and then Court didn't get his ride. You know? Who made the, who made that phone call? To uh-huh. to Court. Did you have to make that call? I did not. Okay. Nope. That was Porsche. Okay. And, and obviously, Court was not very happy from it. But yeah, I can understand that. Yep. 
So why is Danny McKenna spending money on this? Like, he can sell pe- to Southern California people for cars. But, what, well, like, in 2002, what's the incentive for A big reason it? was his general manager. Okay. Um, his general manager was a big uh, race enthusiast and mm-hmm. convinced Danny that this would be good for business. Mm. And how, I mean, we don't even know the number, but how big of a spend is this for him? For Danny? Yeah. yeah Six it was, figures? It was a pretty good spend, yeah. but certainly not enough to pay the whole budget, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, in terms of, like, if you're a Southern California car dealership, that's a big, you know, you've only got so much marketing budget. Yeah. Was the big size of, big chunk of his marketing budget to an IMSA program? Yeah, it yeah. helped, yeah. I mean, it was a four-year program. You know, okay. we did it yeah. through 2004. Yeah. Wait, did you have a four-year deal with him? I mean, not. That, no, I know no. it went for four years. One year at a time. Okay. One okay. year at a time. Yeah. Even the Porsche deal was always one year at a time. Mm. They never did a never did a multiple year. So every summer sucks. Yeah, you had, it's like starting a new business every year. Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, I would say the Alex Joe brand really became established in 2001, 2002. You know, you, you win that first, you win three races that first year in 2001, 2002. You guys win... I think it's eight out of ten technically, but you basically win the whole season. It's so, Lucas Luer, Sasha Mawson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh one was difficult because of the BMW V eights. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we won the first two races, first three races, but then BMW won all the rest. Okay. Um. We we won um, Texas, Sebring, and Donington Park, and after that, BMW won everything else. Oh two. 0304 is the years that we won, you know, like eight out of ten races and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Are those? Um, do you feel like that's the year? Those are the years that you kind of got put on the map. Those are the years that I wouldn't say I got put on the map, but those are the years that raised the AJR stock to the gotcha. point that we became. Did the program elevate or just the stock? Oh yeah, the program elevated every year. Yeah, you know, we constantly grew. You know. Yeah. At what point were you not wrenching anymore? Oh, I stopped wrenching uh, in 90, 98. Okay. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. And was that a physical thing or a I need to be the boss kind of thing? No, it's just I just didn't have time. Yeah. Just had to run the business, you know. Stepping up, more equipment, technology, you know. But I would say... Two, three, and four, those three years, the McKenna program, the success of that kind of established AJR as a, as a, as a, 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 a world-known team. Yeah, powerhouse, you know. yeah, for sure. So back to the McKenna thing, because you don't come from money. Um, you didn't have the resources to run a factory program on your own. Yes, you have some money from Porsche. You're certainly getting supplemented drivers and parts. But McKenna, if McKenna doesn't give you some sponsorship money and some of the other folks involved, you don't run. In my head, even even at that era or now where sports cars doing pretty well, still a tough value statement for a sponsor. Like, what is selling somebody like McKenna on this? Because I think one thing that, like on a fan base level, I don't think people understand is that, to me, Danny McKenna isn't necessarily here because financially it makes sense, but it's because he or somebody in his program is excited to be there. And if we forget that somebody's excited to be there, the program dies because it's not simply a number on a chart that's justifying their efforts to be there. Well, he, he liked being involved with it. Um, but we did, uh, he liked the Porsche connection. And one of the other things is is that uh, allocation of cars at times was very tight. And if you were ah, a partner, okay. if you were a partner with Porsche, yeah. if there was an if there was an extra car to be had, okay, a, a dealer that is, you know, yeah. So it, if there's a limited Carrera GT that's coming out, yeah, 
Yeah. And because he's partnering with you on this factory racing program, he might get a higher he's, priority. He's partnering with Porsche, too, because, yeah. you know, we're, we're in it together. Exactly. Yeah. But they're, like, in Southern California, where there's a lot of money to be spent on cars, yeah. if his dealership in Norwalk has access to the Carrera GT and the Newport Beach one doesn't, right. he's going to make that sale, so that's right. worth it. Too. Yeah. That was one of the additional t selling tools, you know. Um, and, and that's not to say that it necessarily happened, but there was the possibility of that. Right. You know? it, it, it just goes to something. I mean, this is us kind of preaching a little bit, but I don't know that people understand enough how people spending money, them being excited is equally or more important than the value itself. Um, that if we're not doing everything we can to keep Danny McKenna it, enthused about being here, it's not worth it to him because he yeah, can spend I mean, his money it, elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, was the last year of it, you know, and then yeah. Danny didn't continue. Right. Luckily, I was able to partner with uh, Don Bell, and Bell Micro and Bell came Micro. on board, yeah. you know. But was it a similar deal? He wanted to be there? Yeah. Yeah. He's a racer, too. Yep. Exactly. And he wanted to be there. And uh, and that was a two-year program, you know, 05 and 06. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where we're at in the progression of years yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But um, that was my motivation to get into DP. I raced all these years for class championships, you know. I wanted to now race for overall wins, you know. So in yeah. 2006, 2006. You, you joined the Grand Am Daytona prototype ranks in American Le Mans Series, Grand Am, two separate series. These tube frame uh, prototypes are, are now racing, but now you can go for the big ones in a Porsche program. Porsche powered, yeah. yeah. Again, I had Porsche drivers and Porsche engines, you yeah. know, help there. Yeah. Um, it was up to me to provide the car. So I owned the car, and it was up to me to provide the budget. And fortunately, I was which I put together myself. I was able to put together a Ruby Tuesday program. And that was a two-year program of the two-year option. And we were able to bring it into the first-year option. But then the economy tanked so bad. Yeah, Ruby wait. Tuesday yeah. was closing so many restaurants. Mm -hmm. The uh, 08 was the last year. It didn't continue in 09. Right, yep. right. Plus they had Tim George Jr. in the pipeline. They had to fund that. Yeah, that program. So. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> You had the distinct honor of running two drivers that might not necessarily love each other. But, uh, hey, what was it like running Joey Hand and Patrick Long in the same car? Um, it only happened one time. <laughs> Daytona 08. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love Joey. Yeah. You know, um, Joey handled it very well. And Patrick... Patrick was told, you better be a good boy. People ask me, who were your favorite drivers? They, they were all my favorite drivers, but the ones I loved the most, number one was Mike Rockenfeller, Rocky. Yeah. Number two was Joey. Really? Yeah. Oh, I loved yeah. Joey. Yeah, yeah. Joey was so so easy to work with, so talented. Because he drove your DP <laughs> in 07? He drove it in 08. 08. 08. Yeah, it was yeah, Billy yeah. and Joey in 08. And, yeah. And Joey constantly outperformed billy yeah so we um we didn't win daytona we should have we were on the pole yeah. i gotta tell you this story so we got this brand new crawford and 06 when we were still on hoosier tires a crawford was great mm -hmm. 07 08 when we went to pirelli's it struggled because the riley with the mechanical grip just killed it mm -hmm. you know? um but anyway 06 it was awesome we had great porsche power um car was really good. I had great drivers. I had Rocky, and I had Patrick, and I had Lucas, and uh, Ramal. We go to Daytona. 
sit on the pole. Um, race starts. We got an enormous lead, okay? And the axle boot fails, okay? So here's the deal. We did 5,000 miles of pre-race testing and everything. Right. On these orange silicone yeah, boots. Yeah, little boot, yep. Little small orange yeah, silicone zip boots. Zip tie over it with a yeah. little straw in there. And these yeah. were pankle, if I remember right, pankle axles, right? So we're prepping the car <coughs> Friday afternoon for the race. And um, Pankle comes over and says, you need to put these new boots on. And these boots are black rubber boots uh -huh. this big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no way. Yeah, right. I said, get out of here. Quite a bit different from the normal yeah, ones. Like, right? yeah, we've yeah, we've yeah. tested this. We know this works. Yeah, 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 yeah. Half hour later, <coughs> Pankle comes back with, um, with uh, Max Crawford. Max says, you got to change these boots. I said, no way. He says, we changed them. I said, I'm sorry for you. But yeah. No, we're not changing them. Yeah, no we way. just did all this testing. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Another half an hour or so goes by. Now Porsche comes by with Pankle. Porsche said, you need to change these boots. I said, man, I said, this is a big mistake. These boots are not tested. Pankle's tested them, this, that. That's what you got to do because of the, the, the axle angles on the banking and so on. I said, we know what the axle angles are. We've did the whole math on it. There's no problem with these boots, these axles. Nope, you got to change it. So... <coughs> Being that Porsche was supporting me so much. Yeah, right. You know? So we change them. I, and I knew. My gut just told me. So that evening, Holly and I go to bed. We got our motor coach there at the track and so on. We go to bed, and I told Holly, I said, my gut tells me I just made the biggest mistake of our career. She says, what are you talking about? I said, those boots are going to fail. So I just know it. Sure enough, sun goes down. First one fails. Takes the axle out. You know, we got a huge lead. We got to come in and change it. Okay, we're ten laps down by the time we get out there. Okay, ten laps down. We start driving through the night. We're two seconds a lap faster than the Canassi car, than the Shank car, than the than the SunTrust car. You know, we're just killing them. You know, no BOP <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah. And then the sun comes up. We're in the lead. Yeah, you gain all those laps back. Got all like the laps great back. Great pit stops. Awesome strategy. Awesome strategy. Like, this never happens. And, this is, like, we had the, so crazy. We had the last pit, very yeah. last pit. Yeah. You know? Right pit exit, you know. Next boot fails. Oh, can't believe it. Just crushed me, you know. And uh, so we have to go change an axle again. And I don't know how many laps we were down. And we got, we got some of those laps back. So then Brian Till comes. He comes to interview me. Yeah. And I and I'm just pissed off. And I said those axles cost me a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So the viewers go, "Holy crap! Those axles are a hundred thousand dollars, and they failed." <laughs> no, that was the first place price. Right, that's when I was going to get paid. Yeah. It crushed me. Yeah. So it's one of those gut feelings that uh, that still bothers me today, as you can yeah, tell. Mm -hmm. It'll like, that's the first time you volunteered a story. Yeah. yeah. Like, Let me know. tell you this. Yeah. That uh, would have been an awesome win. But Ruby Tuesday did very well with it. Yeah. And uh, their their stock went up a lot. Uh, unfortunately, then when the economy tanked in 08, uh, so, that, you know, then that following year, 09, was the most difficult year I had in the business because I lost the DP program. I lost the. I gave up the American Le Mans program, so I gave up the Porsche program to fly in Lizard, Lizard to yeah. leave. You know. So 
I don't want to linger too much on biography stuff. So just to kind of recap, uh, so 2009 is a rough year, but it's a rough year for a lot of people in the sport. Yep. Um, 2010, ALMS adopts the GTC category, which helps a lot of teams. It, uh, it really helped because, me. Yeah, and, and without getting too much into the politics of it, the concept of driver ratings kind of start showing up because this is the first time we've had a mandatory amateur class. Um, but it helps you because it does create an opportunity for funded drivers by rule to show up and help you out. You guys ran really strong three-car program. Financially, that's good for you. Um, and then basically for the next eight years, you kind of jump around where the opportunities show up with funded drivers, correct? So, um, you know, you ran GTC for several years. Uh, uh, Bill Sweetler and Townsend show up with this, with this dumb Lola, uh, Lotus project. Um, yeah, and, we you know. did the Lotus program in yeah. 2012. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Was, uh, yeah, I love <laughs> if only people could see yeah, you shake your yeah. head. Now, Townsend had the same thing to say about it. Yeah, but, the role uh, was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, when the deal was done, yeah. um, Lotus had not been sold yet. Right. So we right. basically sold a bill of goods. Yeah. And that yeah. all fell apart yeah. about six weeks afterwards yeah. when the company got sold. Yeah. And then the following year, we did the Ferrari program, yep. it, which was another, you know, the partner on that program. Yeah the west guy that was not was good, not good. That but you did have good. some success with like the audi program yeah well i tell you what what progressed at that point was yeah. the WeatherTech connection yes so yeah. in 2011 yeah we started running uh the career cup program Porsche program yep. for cooper, for cooper. Yeah. okay so we were at uh we were at road america yeah with the battery tender sweetler program yeah. and uh and David and Cooper were there. David McNeil, Cooper's yeah, dad, yeah. Mr. Weather. And I hadn't seen, I don't know if you knew this, but David drove for me in the second car at Seaburn in 99. We Did finished not know one, that. two. Okay. So it was Randy Popst and uh, Mike Fitzgerald yeah. and David McNeil. If you look, the car has WeatherTech on it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I saw that picture the other day when we were doing some yeah. research, and I was like, is that, a, is that from HSR? Like, I, I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. it existed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah. So we knew each other, but, you know, from way back then. Yeah, sure. And so then David approached me and said, Cooper's getting old enough, you know, what should he do? And I said, he should go run the Porsche Cup, you know? And he says, oh, okay. Would you do that? I said, sure. So, okay. so you didn't sell you. You sold him on what was actually best for his career. Yeah. Gosh darn yeah. it, Alex Job. That's not how this works. He said, would you uh, put a budget together for me? I said, absolutely. Yeah. So I did, and that was the beginning. So we yeah. did uh, yeah. did Cooper in 11. Yeah. And then we went to GTC in yeah. 12 and With 13. Cooper and Jerome. Uh, Cooper and Jerome in yeah. 13. Yeah. Yep. Won a couple championships. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We won. Uh, yeah, we won the drivers and team in uh, 12, and we won the drivers, not the team in 13, because we were a single car team, and the lizards who had two cars got points for both cars instead oh, of rather the best finishing. instead of just the team yeah, getting yeah so we lost the team championship because of that i was a bit vocal about that <laughs> yeah i imagine i imagine i imagine and um, uh spencer was there you know yeah yeah and you know those two guys andy and spencer are two guys that never drove for me that i always wanted to drive for me at some point you know oh, well, well spencer would like to hear that yeah 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 he, he pointed that out as well yeah yeah, yeah. He, was, he was pretty quick yeah there. two guys that never did yeah and then then uh then i'm moving kind of fast yeah, no no but that's yeah we don't and then in 14 mm -hmm. um we in addition to the WeatherTech program we put the harder racing program together yeah. right yeah. and actually ian james 
approached. Actually, Don Kitch approached yep. me Don with Kitch, that. Don Kitch, who runs this program out of Seattle. Yep. Yeah. He approached me with that, and then uh, and then Don and uh, Gabe Newell yep. came very, to visit. Very well to do. Myself software, here, yeah. and yeah. we put him up at the hotel here at Mission Inn, and yeah. we put the deal together then. Yeah. Um, and, and so Heart of Racing began with Alex Joe Racing. It did. Sort of their it, program. Funded by Gabe Newell, who's a very yep. well-to-do software guy. Yep. Um, and, and then, uh, but yep. Ian was part of that too. Ian right. James. Yeah. 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 So we did that in 14, 15, and 16. And uh, then Gabe decided to walk away for a year. And then uh, David decided to go run a Mercedes instead of a yep. Porsche. And he decided to partner yeah, that was with, very popular. Uh, with Riley. Yeah. 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 And uh, so then we did just the Audi program in the Endurance Championship. Sure, Townsend and Townsend Bill. Townsend and yeah. Bill. Yeah. And then that was it. Yeah. And then Holly yeah. basically got sick and things went south. You decided yeah, Holly got sick up. in uh, 2015 and passed the beginning of 17. And then 18 and 19. So I started... Um, in addition to the pro racing, I started a vintage right. and this business. Right, AJR Restorations. AJR Restorations. Well, it wasn't called AJR Restorations then. It was still Alex Job Racing. Okay. But there was a pro racing side and there was a vintage and, side. Right, right. I started that back in 2012, actually with McNeil's cars. Oh, okay. And so uh, even though he, so and to David McNeil's credit, even though he went with Riley to run this AMG program, he still liked yeah. having you service programs yeah, for we, him. Yeah, he had an Interscope 935 that we did oh, a restoration on. Yeah. We started with that, you yeah. know. And and so then 18, but then uh, um, that all left. And then in 18 and 19, we were just a, a restoration shop, Alex Dove Racing still, restoration shop. And then February of uh, 20, I sold the business and uh, to a Dutchman who was one of my customers and who was a vintage racer. And uh, Teo is his name. Yeah, great, this is great a guy. Teo Rujic. Yeah, Ruch. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm not yeah. We're not try. good at reading. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he asked to keep the AJR logo, and I allowed him. So we called it AJR Restoration. So what he's done is he's built he's built AJR Restorations on the foundation of Alex Job Racing. So I was able to cash out and retire. But with him doing what he's doing, it keeps the Alex Job Racing name still Absolutely. alive. And it's so still it's, it's draws been, that heritage. It's great for him in in uh, building his business. It's yeah. great for me because it keeps the heritage alive. So now are you still involved? A little bit. I'm yeah. so-called consultant, and I still okay. I still, still have an office there. Appearance and sales work and that kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah. I took over Holly's office and gave him my office and nice. Yeah. So. And then Ken Davidson, who's a longtime part of your program, he's now running that. He runs the shop. Yep. Level, yeah. yep. And he so. has five percent of the business. He got no, sweat. He got sweat awesome. equity when that's good. Teo bought it. As he should. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So that's the career in a nutshell. Um, but we have stories from people that we want to ask you about if you've okay. got time. So um, one of the things Lee Keen was so so quick about getting back to me with like a page of notes. But one of the things that stood out was a no girlfriend rule. Mm-hmm. Is, or is this Lee Keen? Is that a Lee Keen rule, or is that an Alex Job's driver's rule? It's an Alex Job rule. Okay, really? so distractions. All right. Okay, in the sense of like you should be in the engineering room, not hanging out with her. You know, I don't like wives and girlfriends and partners there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a professional driver and you're being paid to drive, yep. I want you. 100% focused on mm-hmm. the job when you're there. Yeah. Okay. If you're a gentleman driver and you're big in budget, I can't say much. Hey, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I can tell you it's not not the best thing for your concentration. Yeah, no. But if you're paying for it. So if Bill Swedler brings his wife, 
He didn't. Right. But I did allow um, his girlfriend to come uh, towards the end there a few times. Yeah, he did say it was specifically at the beginning of, of driving for you. Yep. Did you ever get pushback on that from some of the factory guys, or were they all like respectful of the, of the I really idea? don't remember any factory girlfriends there. Yeah, uh, that's probably because he had many. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you don't want him showing up in a photo. Yeah. Uh, even with Cooper, it was um, almost the weather tech guy. Yeah, he was he was too busy uh, paying attention to the weather tech girls. Um, but <laughs> but he's paying for it. He's paying for it. <laughs> yeah. you want to do. Okay, like yeah, yeah. what about so? For example, now maybe he's part of the bringing funding part of it, but. A pro like Butch Leitzinger, who, when he drove for you, was about 80 years old. Hey, um, hey. He's a solid 65. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a mature adult. <laughs> was, would Butch Leitzinger be allowed to have girls at the track? His no. wife. No. Oh. <laughs> like, not uh, even a wow. pause. Yeah. yeah, he's like, no. no but, yeah. but Butch, cold. Butch yeah. came with Juan. Yeah. He was Juan. Right, guy. he was part of the yeah. attached yeah. Yeah, And so, I was happy to have Butch because I, yeah, you yeah, know. He's the best. No. Yeah. So the no girlfriend thing is real. Yeah. Okay. Now, are you like... <laughs> Have you ever seen someone texting and said like, "Hey"? Oh yeah, I used to have to take Cooper's phone phone away. <laughs> I, I grabbed his phone in the beginning in the morning. He yeah. didn't get it back to the end of the day. And I'll give this to you when you're ready to leave. Yeah. Now, yeah. does that does policy like that have to be discussed with David? Because I assume David's on board with like you do what you need to do to make this. David kid said, win. "Get this get this kid in shape." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can, I can see, see it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, you've had the same four wheeler, little tiny four wheeler. For like a hundred years. Yeah. Why? Why not? <laughs> no, it, that it, run, it runs great. Yeah. We've rebuilt it several times. So if it right. doesn't make a car go faster, you're not spending money on it. Absolutely not. It's a it's a great little four wheeler. We still have it today. Yeah. Um, what kind is it? It's a Yamaha. Damn it. Okay. Well, we'll allow it. We um, we had two. We had a two stroke, which was a Suzuki, and we had a four stroke. Yeah. That four-stroke Yamaha I bought used in 92. Remember, I, think I, it's a, I think it's an 89. When did you get your last car? Do you remember like the date and the month? Uh, only because I recently bought it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, I have no I couldn't tell you the month yeah. I got the MDX that we yeah. have right now. Yeah. So this is a well-documented story, but I want to hear it. So as you know, I have a uh, oh. as you know, I have a, a deep relationship with the Magnus Racing guys, you know, marketing now on the strategy side. Do you know what one of our big wins is? One of your big wins. Yeah, it's a segue. Yeah, with Sebring. 2014? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Why is that such a biting story, Alex Job? Oh, it was a tough way to lose. Oh, I just, but that's not why. No, yeah, yeah. No. I want to point out that he's played coy on a lot of things. Like, yeah. I'm not really sure, but then almost always. You always know what we're He's doing. like, it's this. Yeah. It's this date. So tell yeah. me about Sebring, Sebring 2014. Now, keep in mind, Daytona, just a few weeks earlier, yeah. had a very controversial finish. It was the... Merge series, Grand yep. Name Elements all together, yep. Yep. and they, you know, reverse the win and they unreverse the win Correct. in the GT class. There's yep. already been some some contentious things. Yeah. Townsend talks about yeah. this a little yeah, bit. Oh yeah, because yeah. they lost, they won it, they lost, they lost it, it, and they got and they back. won it again. Yeah, yeah. and, and, then they and actually they Spencer was won it and then yep. second and then, and then or or was second, second won it and second. second. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they got to keep the watches. Yeah, but it was really stupid. Alex Joe racing at Sebring the next race in 2012. Tell me, tell me about. Tell me about this whole event. All right. This was the WeatherTech car. Yes. Which is in the GTD class. GTD uh, class. In, yeah. On yeah. Continental on Tires. Continental Tires. Yes. yes. Yeah. And then there was the Porsche Factory RSR team. Yes. Yeah. 
uh, in the that GTLM was class. GTLM class right. running car. Michelin tires. Right, yes. Michelin tires. Yeah. Michelin tires. So, the only time we'll see. And they have a red number plate, and you have a green number plate. Correct. Right. Yeah. So right. we hear on the radio that we have a penalty for contact, I believe. Yes. And you're running very well. And we're running really well. We're yeah. second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And based on how the race ended, we would have won it. But, you know. <laughs> you never know with the yellows. But yeah. you definitely would have We would have been, been very there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 It's better for the story. So you were going to win. So we had a good chance. <laughs> Sorry, to, We had a good chance to win it based on how the rest of the race You were running out. very well. Okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, we knew damn well that it wasn't us that right. was involved in that. So, so we've all had this where the radio from Race Control comes yeah. in, penalty. penalty. Yeah. And they're like, oh, is that uh, us? Yeah. And then they say your number. You're like, what did we do? Yep. Right? Yep. So okay. I happened to be in my motor coach when that happened. When you hear the, the penalty call. Yeah. Okay. I was in the motor coach. I was, at that time, I took a break to go back there, check on Holly. Yep. And then um, um, Carrie Morse was there. Okay. You know, Carrie, and we visited for a little bit, and then I, but I kept my radio on, course, yeah. and then I heard what was going on. I said, oh, I got to go. Yeah. So I go back. So we uh, we uh, um, argued the penalty, said it's not right. us, it's not like, us. We I think Cooper was in the car. Yep. We and stayed. Not, was it Cooper or was it Lee? I think it was Lee. Oh, it was Lee. I think it was, it was Lee. Lee. It was Lee. So Lee's in the car. They say, hey, did you hit anybody? And yeah. he's like, no, no what are you talking not. about? Yeah. yeah. So they stay out, they stay out, they stay out, and they finally said, if you don't come in now, we're going to stop scoring you. Okay? Right. Yeah. So because he I, allegedly hit somebody. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. before I could get back, they stop. Okay? To take the penalty. Take the penalty. Yeah. I go up to the tower. So the penalty's done. Yeah. Right. You've already, yeah. you've, the damage is done now. I go up so. to the tower, and I said, I want to see the video. Of the contact that Lee I had. I want to see the video. Yeah. Oh, no problem. Yeah. So they show me the video. How many people are among the race stewardship? So Paul. So Paul uh, Walter. Paul, Paul Walter, Walter. Who's the, the, at that time the head. He's the. He's the, the big boss of the, the race control. He's the race director. Yeah. Race yeah. director. Yeah. Um, Scott Elkins. Scott Elkins. Yep. Two of them. Okay. And, and then the three-person Like committee. driver panel. Yeah. Um, it's a bunch of people, it, basically. It's, it's five people. but All with experience. Yeah. But yeah. the three are looking at the video. And I look at it, and I said, you're kidding me, right? You're serious? Yeah. Five guys, all yeah. veterans well, of the sport. Paul and um, Elkins are over here. Okay. The other three guys are here showing me the video. Yeah. Okay? Because they're still busy running the race. Right, right, right. And uh, I said, you got to be kidding. I said, this is it? I said, yeah, yeah, there, there's your car. I said, what does it say on a dashboard? Oh, it says Michelin. I said, does my car run Michelins? I think it runs Continentals. I think it says WeatherTech on the dash. And then there was like this look between the three of them like, like, like a, a deer, blinding deer with the headlights coming at it. Yeah. I said, you've got to be shitting me. I was so pissed. Yeah. Y yes. That's a lot of money. So then I went over to Elkins and, and Waters and I said, look, I said, that was the factory Porsche. That wasn't my Porsche. I said, you need to fix this. Said, well, well, we can't fix it. I said, yes, you can fix it. I said, you can't put me back in second place. But I said, you can give me my lap back. I said, on the next yellow, yeah. give us a wave by yeah. for a mistake. Yep. Put us back on the lead lap. You don't have to put me back in second place. Right. Just put me back on the lead lap. Yeah. 
they would not do it. That is would bull. Do it. Did they say they wouldn't? They didn't, or they just wouldn't do it. They said, "Well, let's see how things go." F you. They what? They Sorry. Told, they told me no. the whole rest of the race. Well, we'll see how things go. To, at, right at the very end of the race, I'm constantly on the radio with them. I said, "What the hell?" Yeah. And like they, it's clearly an error. It's clearly an error, yeah. and they and they never did it. Never did it. Yeah. And I was freaking furious. Yeah. You know. We'll see is what your parents tell you. When you're not getting, when the, you're thing. Not getting the thing you want. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, I'll fall asleep soon. Yeah. Yeah. So after the race, Paul Walters comes over to me to apologize and all that. And, man, I was furious. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then I hung out till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, Scott Atherton was hiding from me. You know? Yeah. Okay. David McNeil was not happy either. And, uh, and then on top of that, the Porsche – Never got penalized. Because they penalized the wrong one, They correct? penalized the wrong car. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So it was the, either the 911 did the penalty and the 912 served it or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. 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 But, so even and when they did instill the penalty to the right class of car, they still got that wrong, they too. They still got that, that wrong, too. That blows my mind. And then Riley loses the championship. And that one incident could have made the difference where Porsche didn't win the championship and Viper had won it. Yeah. So I I was hounded by all of the the three journalists in this world. The journalists. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh -huh. And I had to really bite my tongue and just uh, play the high game, yeah. you know, which I did. Um, that will yeah, it will never oh, get. And like, like Magnus won the race; they yeah. benefited from it. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and say they would or would not have won. But because with yellows, you never know how it's going to shake out. But you guys were 100% hosed on that deal. We were. So what yeah. makes me mad about yeah. that story is that I don't think anybody in the race would have protested you getting your lap back unless yeah. they're just a shitty person. Right. You know, like anybody, because right. it's so like, if that can happen to me. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, one guy with a mustache would have. But, like, if you're in that race and they go, okay, full course, AJR car, get your, get your wave around. If anybody protested that, they would be – shooting themselves in the foot because if they set that precedent like if we do something egregious and we we can't give it back to you we should yep then you're not going to go no no don't do that because if you need the same thing for you you can't then go back i know i bitched when alex got his back but now i need one so i think as a competitor i'd be like no i get that because and i think we were fourth so we missed a podium too right oh, i don't remember i, I only remember the yeah yeah. So, yeah yeah i was that really was upset and like yeah. i said i had to really bite my tongue and mm -hmm. take mm -hmm. the high road but um I was really upset. So uh, we do a pass-along question, and we kind of already – you covered it on your own, but uh, we'll just cover it just for the – yeah, get the, get the thing. Uh, oh, there's two, two questions. Pippo Durrani's special. He can ask two questions for some reason. Is there one particular race you enjoyed winning more than the others? Yeah, 95, yeah. first one. Yeah. And then uh, you own a race team. Is it possible to own a race team and actually make money? It is. It's difficult, <laughs> very difficult, <laughs> but it is. Yeah. But you, like you, like I said before, you have to. Um, for me, since I'm not a wealthy guy funding it, you know, I had to buy stuff I could afford and then fix it up, and I had to watch my spending, and um, and then in in choosing team people and drivers and so on to me it was always a balancing act of choosing talent that i can afford you know yeah but it, you can absolutely make a living at it i did um 
big loss in 09, like I said before. The rest of the years were, let's see, I started, the first year running was 89. Um, it wasn't until 93 that I turned a profit. But then from 93 to um, 2017, with the exception of 09, mm -hmm. I made a profit. Yeah. Yep. So. Can be done. Can be done. Tomorrow night, we will be having dinner with Adrian Fernandez, yeah. the uh, ex car champ car driver. LMS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team owner. Yeah, yeah he's done yeah, a lot. Done a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever had a question for him, what, what would it be? I would be interested to know how difficult it was for him um, when he owned the team and drove the race car. Um, you know, and he's from Mexico running, you know, in the States, you know. Um, I always felt it's kind of difficult for an owner driver um, to stay focused on driving when, you know, you're faced with all of the, the um, stresses yeah, of running the business, yeah. responsibility, right. yeah. you know. Yeah. And his being such a big PR yeah. campaign as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. He's, he did a really good job of it, you know. And he had big sponsorship. He had good success. He was a very nice guy. Always came off as a really class act guy. Um, and I always thought of the owner drivers, you know, he did one of the best jobs. You know, I'd be interested to know, you know, how difficult was that? You, know? you and Tom Milner Sr. hate each other, but you're also friends and go to dinner. Oh, we don't hate each other. Well, maybe not now. Sure, but, but we, was, we'd heard stories that we there heard was fights, a lot of in We heard face. shoving. Yep. There was a time a that gun. we were. Yeah, there's a gun pulled. Yeah. Fierce competitors. I remember at Mosport. Uh, 96, running the mid-engine car with uh, Hurley and Tom yeah. Hessert. And, and to be clear, so Tommy Milner Sr. Uh, <laughs> Tom, run, ran. Tom, he goes by Tom. No, we're going Tommy Milner Sr. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an inside joke. It's a bit. Yeah, <laughs> but he ran PTT, which was like the factory BMW, BMW team, team forever. Tom, yeah. Tom, Tommy Jr.'s. I don't know what to call him anymore. Tom, whatever. <laughs> the kid that drives the Corvettes, it's yeah. his dad. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to get punched. But all this to say that if it was BMW versus Porsche, then it was Alex Joe versus Tom Milner. And you guys, I, I wouldn't say polar opposite, but you guys are distinctly different characters. We are. Tom yeah. is a very big man. Yeah. Very, and, and he likes to be intimidating. Yeah, boisterous. Yeah. Boisterous. Yeah. boisterous. Yeah. He's yeah. colorful likes with his language. Yeah. 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 And hates you, drivers. Hates drivers. Hates drivers. Yeah. 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 And you are, you are a very, I don't know if mild-mannered is the right word, but you're a very calm person. And you, you don't seem to thrive on being bigger and intimidating. Well, I did something very stupid that time at Mosport because I can't remember who was driving. It might have been Hallsberg. And this was mid-90s? Yeah, it was 96 oh, okay. at Mosport. Yeah. Canadian tire now. <laughs> Same Mosport. It's okay. I, I, just, uh, I can't remember if it was Hurley or uh, Hessert in the car. I think it was Hessert and uh, Hallsberg. And Hallsberg hit us. And it uh, just really pissed me off. Yeah, so I walked over to Tom's pit area, mm -hmm. climbed up on his timing stand and was poking him in the chest. Nice, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. cussing him at him and poking. And, I mean, he could have just taken me out. I was going to say, I'm sure he was like, no, to stop it. Yeah. 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 Yep. But then you guys would go have dinner later. Yeah. So you're literally like, you're, you're grumpy old men. I'm one of the few people that could get along with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we ask this a lot about, to, to drivers especially, and I'm not sure if you have this because, again, you just seem like a pretty level-headed person but is there a team or an owner that you just did not want to lose to and is that kevin buckler 
Yes. <laughs> I'm just making the yeah, joke. No, but it makes sense because yeah. like you guys operate very differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, and, and, he, that's a nice and, way of and it. Buckler was successful. Yeah, you know? his way yeah. would work. Yeah, and that's gotta yeah, be yeah. yeah. You're like, don't so. do it like that. That yeah. shouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 you go out like, oh, I'll say I don't give a. <laughs> f- um, but like, you go out of your way to treat people with respect, have integrity <laughs> with your sales, other people that maybe don't have the same tact, and and it can work. Some people get away with things, but mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I never left an unpaid invoice. I never stuck anybody. Uh, it's weird that know, that's what you're mentioning. Well, I yeah. just <laughs> never. Know, I will say, if anyone was to that. threaten lawsuits, I could also demonstrate that that's a true statement. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Very, it, very few skeletons in my closet, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So Justin Marks is somebody that you're pretty impressed by in terms of you know young owners Team coming ownership, to the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's got his Project 91 program in NASCAR. Is there any driver you think that would fit perfectly in there for one of the road courses? I would try Nick Tandy. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Would you would you run Nick Tandy? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty it's good. It's fast. Yeah. Can you give us a uh, – take as much time as you want. The legend of Greg Fordall. What a loss. Yeah. What a yeah. loss. So so Greg Fordall was uh, an engineer for you forever, but he's also worked with other teams, including Magnus. Yep. And, and One of those yeah. guys that everybody knows. He's, yeah. like, super solid, but a longtime friend yeah. and, and employee he, of he, yours. He Greg, passed a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, that was very difficult. Greg started with me in 98, and he actually brought me Daryl Havens, my okay. customer, yep. the AirFab connection for right, those two years. Right. And he started with me in 98 as a track engineer. Um, worked with me... I think just about every year with the exception of 09, I think, and 17. Um, when it came to a pure natural talent, not an, an accredited engineer that has a degree sure. from God knows what technical school right, or whatever. Right, He didn't have degrees and stuff. Yeah. But he was a, he was a very good driver himself Mm -hmm. he was a solo two multiple solo two national champion in a 914.6 yeah okay he was a really good driver so he could really relate to the drivers from Mm -hmm. the driver's perspective um he had this incredible knack to just feel the car you know um you know like i said before you're only as good as your people. Yeah. Greg Fordall was a, a huge key success to the success for AJR through the mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, Roland Kuzmal, yeah. Porsche, yep. retired now, yeah, yeah. famous engineer. When we started that McKenna program, Kuzmal did the 23 car. Greg did the 22 car. Yeah. Okay. And Kuzmal was seriously impressed yeah. with Greg's yeah. ability. Yeah. yeah, it's just sad. I mean, way too young, way too early sure. to go. Um, not the easiest guy to get along with. You yeah. know, he was very opinionated, mm-hmm. and uh, he liked to do things his way. Um, huge storyteller. Yeah. Just a very interesting guy. And flying from Seattle every right, time, right. you know. I mean, just, you know... Um, and it's just sad how, how he went, you know. It's just like, uh, from what I understood, um, I couldn't go out to Seattle for his uh, yeah, celebration of yeah, life. Yeah. So I, you know, helped out a bit there with uh, 
paying for the food and so on there. But um, um, he, uh, he, from what I understood, was going in for like a hernia surgery, right. and then they through an EKG or something, found something really wrong with his yeah, heart. Yeah. And before he could get to a cardiologist, he passed. Yeah. You know? yes. And he had apparently had a bad tooth infection, mm -hmm. and apparently that went to his oh, heart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's tragic. Um, and, I mean, it's just yeah. like, wow, just it makes you – it reminds you to count every day, you know, because sure. you just yeah. never know. Yeah, You, know? you yeah. never know. Is there a standout memory of him winning or coming up with something that makes you extra proud? Yeah. 2013 Daytona Audi win. Okay. Him and Pat. Yeah. So it was a difficult win team-wise because I had two WeatherTech cars, mm -hmm. and the McNeils were in the Porsche. Yeah. Okay, and Audi was in the Audi. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, uh, Oliver Jarvis was one of yeah. my drivers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Albuquerque. Albuquerque, yeah. 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 Uh, but, anyway... Um, Audi's coming to us and saying, you got to stop. You got to do this. You got to do that. And uh, we said, no, no. And so Vardy was doing what they said. Oh, yeah, with the Rumble car. And APR was yeah. doing what they said, although Vardy ran it out of fuel. Yeah. At the yeah. end, he didn't. But Audi was, and, and Dr. Ulrich was in the pit standing yeah. next like to me. Big Audi And boss. they were yeah. not happy because we would not do what they said to do because there's a fuel mileage thing and they yep. thought you were going to run out yep yeah yep. yeah and they stood their ground we stood our ground yeah and it was greg fordall's decision that won that race that's so awesome yeah and that was a big win for us that's super and super. it was only two classes then it was gt yeah it was it so, those were stacked so fields chip was there as the dp winner yeah. and i was there as yeah. a gt winner yeah. it was great that was great it was great yeah i agree you know I don't. I don't want this to devolve into a thirty-minute conversation, but uh, you've run plenty of customer programs over the years. Um, not good, not bad. Do driver ratings serve a purpose? I understand the reason for it. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of it because yeah. my most successful years there were no driver ratings. Right. You know, and a. A gentleman driver had to race against a pro. That's just the way it was. Did you know? the existence of driver ratings ever make it easier for you to sell a race seat? It did. It did. It did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... Is that the idea? Is it the existence of ratings or the existence of giving them the notion uh, <laughs> that they're going to be against other AMs? The problem with the driver ratings is not so much in the bronze gentleman area. Um, it's really in the the gold silver area, specifically silver, specifically yeah. silver. Yeah. and that's the difficult part. You have so many drivers, and then FIA has to, FIA has to rate all these drivers with the influence of the different sanctioning bodies. Right, and you can't get it all right. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a gold driver that is rated a silver, yeah. or there's a silver driver that's rated a gold. And it's just difficult. And more so than the gentleman, the bronze driver, you know, those guys are trying to make their living from doing that. Yeah. Look at Joey Hand. Yeah. Joey yeah. was a yeah, platinum. Yeah, he was like basically and, blacklisted. And he, yeah. he lost yeah. his business. He yeah, lost exactly. his ride because yeah. he was a platinum. Yeah, Couldn't for being get a ride. too good. For yeah. too good. Couldn't if, get a ride. <laughs> if it was a simpler pro-am system agreed to by team owners, by people that have full season stakes, 
do you think you guys could come to consensus? Yeah, so I think that would be better. <laughs> and it could. Do you think it could happen? Like you and the 12 other guys and girls running race teams, if you all said, these are my AMs, these are my pros, can we all get on the same page that these are pros and AMs? I think so, particularly if you've got like a GTD program and you've yes. got AM drivers, yes. mm -hmm. you know, that, that help fund the program. Yeah. yeah. So these, these episodes are meant to be evergreen. People can listen to this in six years and it's still relevant. So the, uh, the Alex Job legacy, if somebody were to click on this not knowing your story, what would you hope people take away from this episode? Just that I, uh, I felt I was very open to talk about uh, the way I really feel. Um, and I'm happy to talk about uh, the success that AJR has had because I'm proud of it. But I don't want it to, to sound uh, arrogant, you know. Um, uh, but I'm just proud of what we've accomplished. Um, and, uh, and again, give credit to the people that surrounded me all those years. Uh, you know, this is a, the epitome of team sport, in my opinion. It's not just about me. No. All right. Well, I would say on that note, Continental's got the check. I'm finished. Congelates in coastal plains Endless views that we're passing through Making our way to a distant place Just us two Someone new.